We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. You know, one of the things I think that we're struggling with in the church today is that we, we don't really walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't really walk personal with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And in a, in a, in a, in a sense, it's because we haven't really opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. You know, to, to the fact that He can put things in our heart, to the fact that He can give us words of wisdom or words of knowledge, to the to the fact that he's not just an it, he's not just a power, he's a person. He's just as real as the Father, he's just as real as Jesus Christ, he's a person that's with us, that's in us, that's kind of, you know, wanting to have this relationship with us as well. And so, what I, what I want to talk to you tonight is, is kind of about that, the person of the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and we're just going to skim the surface of some of the things that he does. And we're going to, first of all, prove that he is a person. But then just kind of like get an idea of the way that he interacts with us, the way that we interact with him. And, and really, my, my prayer is that, is that when you see the, the reality of who he is, that you would walk in this power, in this person. Because here's the bottom line. I just know that there are so many people that are struggling, that are hurting, that are empty. You're saved, and I praise God for that, and you know you're saved, but you know something's missing. You just know it. You know you're struggling as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a worker, as a Christian, as a minister. And there's just so many things in your life. Uh, I was talking to one guy earlier, John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's where I think a lot of times we're lacking. We have life, praise God. But we kind of know there's something missing. And what it is, is that second experience of the Holy Spirit where he comes upon us and it's a, it's a constant constant feeling it's a constant following it's a constant interaction with the holy spirit and so um tonight we're going to look at that um it's so important the personhood of the holy spirit and you guys have notes right can you believe that at the end of the study today we're going to have a little test too and quiz in the back no i'm just joking but i want you guys to know how important it is you know, I think that when we think of the Father, we kind of can relate to that because we know the function of a Father. And even with Jesus, He's our brother, He's our Savior, He came in the flesh. We can kind of relate to that. But what about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity? I think in many ways He's a mystery. And of course, we're not going to know everything about Him, but I think we need to know more than we do right now. And so the first thing I want to share with you is that he is a person. Now, one guy said this, if we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, merely as a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more 
of me. Question for you tonight. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? I mean, does he have all of you? Does he have all of your days, all of your moments, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your deeds, all that you are? That's really the question. Not how much of him do I have, but how much of you does he have? And I remember one guy was really excited that Dion Moody was going to come and and he was going to do a crusade, and he was really excited because, of course, the Lord would use Dion Moody in a mighty way. But one of the guys who's, you know, real biblical, real conservative, said, why, why are you so excited about Dion Moody coming? Why are you so excited about this guy coming and preaching and teaching? What's so big about him? Does he have the monopoly on the, of the Holy Spirit? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And the man said, no, he doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. That's, that's all that matters. That's all that matters tonight. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Because he's a person and he wants to work in our life. And I think when we see that, not just a power, but a person, I, I think it, it helps us a lot. We're going to look at four primary categories. The first one is a real simple one, and that is this, uh, that he's a person. Look what it says right here. The quality in your handout or condition of being an individual person possessing, uh, here's some words for you to fill in if you want to, intellect, emotion, and will. Persons bear God's image as rational, volitional, social, moral, and spiritual creatures. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, and should never be referred to as such. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he possesses intellect. That means he can think. He has a mind. He, he possesses emotion. I mean, that means he can get sad. He can get happy. Um, or maybe a better word would be joyful. Uh, he possesses a will. That means he can process through thoughts and say, I want him to be there and I want her to be over here. I mean, he has a will, a volition, right? As a person, we know that classic uh, truth that we're created in God's image, and therefore we're rational, volitional, that means we reason and we make choices. We're social, that means we interact. We're moral, that means we're made in God's image of righteousness, and that means that we're spiritual creatures, right? And so the Holy Spirit has all these elements of being a person, and he's not in it and should never be referred to as such. Have you guys ever heard someone call the Holy Spirit and it, yeah, it, you know, it did that or it came upon me. And that's uh, one of those bad habits that we have as Christians. Uh, uh, another bad habit I think we have as Christians is to kind of categorize things for you. Do you guys ever say, I'm going to church? Do you guys ever say that? Yeah, I'm going to church. How many of you say that you're guilty of saying that? You guys should come and sit in the front row right here. and <laughs> Please. Don't say that. Why? Because you are the church. Don't say that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what to say. Say I'm going to Bible study. I'm going to church service. I'm going to fellowship. But don't say I'm going to church because the, way, the words that you use, they actually they, they affect the way that you think. For example, uh, uh, when, a, when a gal's pregnant, um, someone might say, well, how far along is it? Well, it's not an It. How, long, how far along is the baby? How far along are you? You know, that, that's not an it. That's a person. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
And I was thinking today about how I've been a Christian now for 26 years, and I've been alive now for almost 49 years. And, and at the same time, I've been alive longer than 49 years, huh? Because God has been blessing me. I've been alive now. God's been showing me grace since the moment of my conception. Not just 48 years, but you tag on the extra nine months that I was in my mommy's womb. That's how long God's been showing me grace. You want to know something? Because the Bible says that in sin, my mother conceived me. We were born, we were conceived in original sin. And all along, God has been showing me grace. And so, you know, just different things. Don't, don't say things like the Holy Spirit's an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. And that baby is a, is a he or a she. That baby's a baby. You, you go to church service. You go to Bible study. You don't go to church. And another thing that I think we say a lot of times that we shouldn't say is like, for example, yeah, I go to Greg Laurie's church. It's not Greg Laurie's church. Someone say, yeah, I go to Manny's church. Pfft, don't ever say that. It's not Manny's church. This is Jesus' church. So stop saying stuff like that, okay? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. And one of the obvious ways that we see that is the way that the Holy Spirit, it possesses, uh, he possesses elements of, uh, I don't have my notes. Uh, man, can I borrow someone's notes? Or Zane? You have an extra one? Okay. All right, let's go to John chapter 15, verse 26. And while you're there, I'm going to try to look this up just in case. So right now, pray for the person next to you that they'll get saved. Okay. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 26. It's kind of funny. The Lord's like, well, you don't need your notes. You got the Holy Spirit. Because you guys don't have the answers in here. I guess I could look back at the screen, huh? John 15 in verse 26. Notice what it says. It says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, notice uh, it says, He will testify of me. He will testify of me. We see the same thing over in John chapter 16 and verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. And so it's interesting. The, the Greek word for spirit is a neuter word. Uh, it's translated pneuma, which is a neuter gender word. And so any pronoun used to substitute for a pneuma would normally also be neuter. However, the Bible writers in the original text did not follow that grammatical pattern. Instead, they substitute masculine pronouns to designate the Holy Spirit. And so we have that, that Greek word there, uh, ikinos, and that's in reference to a masculine individual. And so... We see right off the bat, and if that was all there was, that would be all we need. But the Bible doesn't use the Greek word autos. It uses the Greek word that we would translate he. Because you need to know this, that the Holy Spirit is a person. 
Have you guys learned this? That what's most important in life is people? Have you guys learned that yet? I'm sure you have, right? What's most important in life is people. It's not possessions. It's not positions. It's not ambitions. It's relations. It's people. People are the most important thing. And you want to know something? The most important people, the most important persons, is God. Do you understand that? The most important persons, plural, is singular, God. Now, I don't know if my son's here or not, but I, I know like people would want to you know, correct your grammar. I mean, persons is plural. Is is singular. How do they work together? Well, that's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we have three persons. And then when you see the Great Commission, it says, and you baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And that's the way we see the Trinity operates. Three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yet one God. And so I want to encourage you guys to know this, that there are three persons. The most important persons is God. And so a lot of you here, you're probably in right relationship. You're probably personal with the Father. You're probably personal with the Son. But question, are you personal with the person of the Holy Spirit? Because it's kind of funny. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he's the one that's here. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Right? And the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. It's a person. Look at some of the things the Holy Spirit does. Uh, first of all, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Do you guys do this? Do you guys personify things that are not persons? Do you guys ever do that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, for example... You know, my wife, she's so cool. She's funny, though, but she personifies things. Like, she calls our car Cammie. Oh, that's Cammie. And before you know it, you start thinking that Cammie has a personality, you know, and, and she calls my laptop Lappy, and she has different words for things, and it's almost like you personify them, you know? And then you even think of your animals. I mean, I, I, I talk to my dog. To be honest with you, I talk to him. Hey, Chip, how you doing, buddy? You know, and I start talking to him. And next thing you know, my daughter's all, Dad, you know he doesn't understand what you're saying, right? He's not a person. And I don't know, like sometimes I think we think they are or just something, but they're not. But the Holy Spirit, he is. And how do we know that? A car can't think. A car can't reason. A car doesn't have intellect. But the Holy Spirit does. Look what it says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. See, the Holy Spirit searches all things. That Greek word right there means to examine or look into See, he's not simply an impersonal force. He's a personal being who searches into the deep things of the Father. You know, and, and here's the thing. When you look at the context there, it's just amazing to me. Because here's the context. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, 
nor has entered into the hearts, the thoughts. Man could never even begin to imagine the things that God has for those who love him, right? We could never imagine that. We could never discover that on our own. But the Holy Spirit, he searches the deep things of God. Have you ever done a Google search on the computer? I mean, I do it all the time. All the time you're searching, right? It's almost like that. The Holy Spirit is searching the deep things of God. And, and what ends up happening, because we're going to see in 1 Corinthians that a lot of the church, they were carnal. They couldn't understand the deep things of God. Why? Because they weren't spiritual. Because the Holy Spirit, He searches the deep things of God. And then we're going to see later, and that's speaking of God the Father, and we're going to see later that what ends up happening is that He teaches us. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us. But first we see the intellect that the Holy Spirit has and that he searches uh, things. We're going to see later the Father does as well. I don't know if you guys have the same... You Actually, you don't have the same notes that I have. So what's the next screen that we have right here? What the Holy Spirit does over in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Let's go there. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And so our, our feeling right there is that as He wills, as He places into the body, the context there is speaking about the different gifts in the body of Christ and just the how the Holy Spirit, He kind of searches things out. It would be kind of like me looking at all of you guys right here and just saying, okay, we're going to form a basketball team and or whatever. And so I, I watch the way you guys shoot and the way you do three-pointers and whatever, your free throw line, the way you dribble. And I say, after watching you, after examining everything that's going on, I want you to be the guard. I think, Diana, you should be the center. And, you know, we put people where they, only a person could do that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts us in places in the body as He wills. And so, one, you have the Holy Spirit searching the deep things of the Father God. Secondly, you have the Holy Spirit who has a will, He has a desire. In order to have a free will and promise, uh, possess a true desire, one must be a person. And so the Holy Spirit has a will, places people in the body because He's a person. And what we find right here is that there's a thought process here. You know, to me, it's comforting to know and even fascinating that the Holy Spirit knows us. He knows you and he knows exactly where you belong. It's really, really cool. Uh, next, something similar, but now it's on the flip side. I think it's Romans 8.27. Do you guys have that next? Yeah. Look what it says over there, if you would. Go back to the book of Romans. In chapter 8, verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, and let's look at that again and see if you guys can understand it. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Question, who is the one who searches the hearts here? It's the Father. 
the Father searches the hearts and he knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So that's really interesting when you look at that because he, now he's in reference to the Spirit, he makes intercession for the saints. If you back up to verse 26, look what it says right there. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I mean, is this exciting to you? Do you understand what the Bible is saying right here? He's saying that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Yeah, there are some that say, well, what the Holy Spirit does is he works in you and you're the one who groans and you're the one who speaks in tongues. And, and that's a possibility here. But when you just look at it at face value, theologians believe that really what's going on here is the Holy Spirit is the one that's groaning for you. He lives inside of you. He knows you and he prays for you. That's amazing to me. And as he's praying for you, he's groaning, he's making intercession. It says, and the Father searches the mind of the Spirit. Think about that. And then the Father, who's highest in function in office, he makes those decrees and he answers those prayers. But here's the thing. We've got to make sure we don't grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit. We've got to be open to the Spirit because when we're open to the Holy Spirit... The person, you know, we have the dove. I mean, that's our symbol for Calvary Chapel. But the question is, is are we really open? You know, or is it really dry? Because I tell you what, I want the Holy Spirit to pray for me. He knows what I need way more than I do. And I want the Father to search his mind. See, that's what we see happening here. And it really is so amazing when you think about it. I mean, the Holy Spirit... Man, doing these things. What do we have next up here? What the Holy Spirit does. Uh, a lot of people didn't know this. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. Look what it says. It says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Now, now, what this verse is actually teaching us is that the Holy Spirit loves us. And I, and I think that if I were to ask you, you know, hey, does the Holy Spirit love you? You'd probably say, yeah, but you might not be able to point to a Bible passage that proves it. Here, this is exactly what we see. And theologians tell us that just as the Father loves us and the Son loves us, what we find here is that the Holy Spirit loves us as well. And you guys, man... You got to know that, okay? Question, who do you have in your life that really loves you? That really, really loves you? And for some of us here, I think, in all honesty, we'd probably say, well, I think he does, and I think she does, and I think they do. I, I mean, I know my wife does. I know my children do. I know my mom and dad do. But what if you really knew that they loved you. I mean, there's something special about that. Not only that, what about this? Who prays for you? 
Who do you know that really prays for you? You know, and I mean, thank God there are people that, you know, you're pretty sure they do, but I, I wonder if he really prays for me. I still love him either way. He's still my brother and we still serve together and that's fine, but I wonder if he really prays for me. And then when you find out, I don't know, and sometimes it's hard, you know, to just, but just, but the, when there's people that really pray for you, you know who that is? I mean, there may be people in your life, but I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit prays for you. The Holy Spirit groans for you. The Holy Spirit loves you. Then why is it that you ignore Him? Why is it that we're close to Him? Why is it that we're not personal with the person of the Holy Spirit? You know, it's so important to us for us to know, you know, that, that he loves us. What do we have next? John 14, 26. Let's go there. This is a real common passage. The Lord knew that if I had all my notes, I would go over. And uh, he's on penny. I'm just tired of that. So look at John 14, verse 26. It says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, isn't he? We're going to see later that he's our instructor. We see that, I think it's in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 10, how the good spirit would instruct them. So, so who's your teacher? You're like, hey, I like Greg Laurie, man. He's really good. And I tell you what, I can listen to Greg Laurie. You know, he's just so easy to listen to, right? But it's not Greg Laurie. It's the Holy Spirit who's your teacher. You know, and when it's the Holy Spirit who teaches you things, then what ends up happening is it sticks. And not only that, He's going to teach you things that you need to know because he knows everything about you. He knows that's what's going to happen to you next week, next year, 10 years down the road. And he knows that when you're facing that particular adversity, you need to know this truth right here and you need to know it well. And so what we find is the Holy Spirit teaches you. And not only that, notice it says right there, and he will bring to you remembrance all the things that I taught you. You know, and that's why it's kind of cool going to Bible college because when you go to Bible college and you really, you know, got these things in you, the Holy Spirit can bring them to your remembrance and you're doing the final exam and you get an A on the final exam, not because, you know, it's you, but because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in you. And when you go through those trials, and of course we know right here the Lord is speaking to His apostles and they would give us the Bible, but I tell you what, you know, and that's why it's such a, blessing that you guys go to Bible studies and you're listening to Bible studies and you're reading books that are right on because what ends up happening is it gets put into your heart and then when it's imperative to pull that truth out and stand on it and put it into action the Holy Spirit will bring that truth to your remembrance and so he's the greatest teacher you know, later on, John, he writes, you guys don't really need a teacher. I mean, we got teachers, thank God for that, but you got the built-in teacher. 
Who, who would know this book best except for the one who wrote it? And that's the Holy Spirit, right? And, and he's our teacher. So grateful for that. What do we have next? We have a whole bunch of these points. Uh, this one is over in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 30. And this is one that I've shared with you a, a lot. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, don't, don't grieve the Spirit, you guys, because as we do, man, what ends up happening is, in one sense, we make Him sorrowful. In one sense, we make Him sad. In one sense, we kind of diminish the work that He longs to do in us and through us. And I think looking at the context right here, it's interesting how He speaks a lot about, you know, the things that come out of our mouth. For example, in verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know? I mean, how many times have you blown it with the things that you've said? I wonder, you know? Um, did I tell you guys, I don't think I told you today, my wife and I went to the, the uh, bookstore to pick up a few books, and, uh, and one of the gals that works there She's in the class that I'm teaching. And uh, she said, I want to ask your son, if you ever raise your voice, if you ever yell at, at him. And I said, don't ask him that. Because, <laughs> I mean, he'll tell you, yeah, of course I have. You know? And you know, a lot of people were like, Manny, I can never picture you getting mad. And let me tell you, man, I've been mad plenty of times, Right? I, I'm not proud of that. I, I, I think that sometimes we make an excuse as a Hispanics or, or machismo or whatever it is, you know, that macho thing, and we get mad. But, you know, um, what that does, and when we say things that we shouldn't say, and, you know, let no corrupt words be, proceed out of your mouth, the corruption is tearing people down. You want to know what happens when we do that? The Holy Spirit is grieved inside of us. And so for us, knowing how close He is, that He lives in us, you know, we got to be careful with the things that we say. We can't grieve Him, um, and we, couldn't, we shouldn't quench Him either. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about how people are so, you know, Bible, 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 and it's true. You want your Bible, you want to test everything, but whatever you do, don't throw out the Holy Spirit in the process. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit because otherwise we'll quench Him. You guys, uh, obviously we're not going to be able to get through all of our notes tonight, and that's okay. Uh, I can email it to you if you're interested and you get all those fill-ins, but, but, but infinitely more important than that is what's going on in your life? What's going on in your heart? You know, what's going on in us as a church, for us as a church, is the Holy Spirit moving? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit the freedom to move in your life? Are you exercising your gifts? If you speak in tongues, do you pray in tongues? You know, what gifts do you have of the Holy Spirit? You know, we really have to make sure that He has all of us. He's so personal with us. You know, I don't know if you're here tonight 
and you feel dry, or you're here tonight and you feel hungry, or you're here tonight and you just keep blowing it and blowing it and blowing it, and you feel like, well, that's the way Christianity is. No, you, my friend, should be walking on water. You should be moving mountains. You and me, we should be impacting the world. And, and what's, what, we're, what we're lacking is that personal intimacy of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was reading a story about one man, Ari, Ari Hudson, I think his name is. I don't have my notes, otherwise I'd be able to tell you for sure. But I know his first two initials are R.E., and anyways, he was a man who grew up in the church. He used to live in Canada, Ontario. And uh, he, he grew up on a farm. He grew up as a Christian. Uh, as he got older, he moved to Chicago because he figured he can probably make some money there. And then he did. Uh, it was back in World War I, right before World War I. He was making a whopping $6 a week. And he was able to send some money home to his family. Uh, he was able to save up a, a little money, got married, had some kids, started a business, went to church, served in ministry after ministry after ministry. But he knew something was still missing in his life. But he kept doing what he was doing. Just like we all do, we go through the motions, right? And so one day, there's an urgent situation. He goes back to his hometown in Canada. He's going to visit his two sisters. He visits his sister, and it's a blessing. And then what ends up happening is he goes to his other sister's house, and he's driving a big old Model T automobile, you know, one of those heavy cars. I mean, they don't make them like they used to, right? I mean, it was a big old heavy car. And you want to know what happened? The wind was blowing against him. And so, you know, he's stepping on the gas and he's trying. And man, his car would not go. It couldn't fight the wind. So he turned around. He started going back to where he came from. And then he says, I'm going to try it again. And he goes back and he tries. Sure enough, the wind would not allow. He tries it three times until finally he says, I guess, you know, God wants me back where I started. He went back to his first sister's house. And what had happened was God had a divine appointment for him. This is a true story. He said, and, and when he got there, there was a preacher there, there was an evangelist there, and, and, and the man looked at him. He said, he looked at me, and he looked right through me. And he told me, young man, you haven't fully surrendered your life to Christ yet, have you? And he said, when he asked me those words, it just penetrated my heart. I fell to my knees and I admitted my guilt. And he prayed right there. Nothing happened. He said, well, come to me and we'll go to the revival meeting. He went to revival meeting. Nothing happened. The next day, when there was an altar call to come forward, to surrender everything to God, he said he went forward, he got on his knees, and he started praying and praying and praying. And eventually what happened was he... His prayer was answered and he was baptized. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, and from that day forward, his life was never nominal. It was never the same. When he went back to his wife in Chicago, he didn't even have to, he didn't even have to tell her what happened. She knew instantly there's something different about you. You know, and for me, 
And, and of course, we're all on this journey, you guys. And, you know, don't misunderstand me. You know, I'm not saying that we're always going to be like on this spiritual high in one sense, but what I am saying is that I think we know when we're when we're really not really walking supernaturally. You know, sometimes I look out at the church and I wonder if they're really saved. Is that person really saved? Because you, you almost can't tell. But then what the Lord shows me a lot of times is that they're saved. Because they believe in Jesus, you know, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And they'll write the answer, Jesus, 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 Jesus. They're saved. But they're just not baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Why not? Because they haven't surrendered every area of their life yet. And God is just waiting when we're, when we're hungry, when we're desperate, when we believe, like Luke chapter 11 says, if you ask, you receive the Holy Spirit. When we believe there's more than what I've been experiencing, and not only we believe that there's more, but we want more, it's then. It's then that God will meet you in that place of absolute desperation, and He will fill you with His Holy Spirit. He will fill you with His love. I mean, the Holy Spirit does so many things. I wish I could have gone into all these things with you guys, man, you know, but I mean, we can do a lot of things to Him too. We can lie to Him. We can resist Him. We can blaspheme Him. Do you guys know what that is when you resist the Holy Spirit? That's the only unforgivable sin. Did you know that? God can forgive murder. God can forgive adultery. God can forgive... All the sins that you can think of, he will. He's willing to forgive all those if someone repents and turns to him. But he will never forgive blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because what that is, is saying no to the Holy Spirit. I don't want Jesus. But what does he want? He wants us to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who number one, points to Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And then number two, um, let me see if I could find this passage real quick. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 13. Let me close with this before we have communion tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 14. Look what he says right here. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God, that's speaking of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That that Greek word translated communion is that Greek word koinonia, right? Where we get our word fellowship from. There's There's that communion, there's that intimacy, there's the the oneness, there's the participation, the joint participation, there's this togetherness. I mean, isn't it interesting that he speaks of the Holy Spirit in particular? When Jesus speaks to the church, what does it say in Revelation? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church.
if the Holy Spirit is talking to you and he's drawing you to that place of communion with him, absolute surrender, then I, I pray, you guys, that we would hear, that we would listen, that we would grow, that we would go forward, that we would fellowship with him. It's so important that we do. You know, because when I think of, of this last thing, and I know I'm weird, but um, you guys always show me grace. And it's just because we want, we want the best for you. We want what God has to offer you, not what the world has to offer you, not what you want for yourself. We want what God has to offer you. And I think of moving. I think of how God is moving. You guys like that phrase, God is moving? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you say, well, God's not moving. Where's, uh, where's the God of Elijah? The better question is, where's the Elijah's? Right? And as God is moving, I always think of this, that it's like a movie. Get it? Move, moving movie? You guys get it? No? Okay. It's all right. Go back to sleep. All right? <laughs> God is moving. It's like a movie. And what we have is the father is the executive director, the executive producer. Um, Jesus is a superstar, of course. It's always going to be centered on Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the director. The Holy Spirit is the director. And he's not only directing the church as a whole, gathering a bride, making us holy, but he's gathering the congregations. And not only that, he's moving us individually. And so whatever needs to take place in your life, you've got to go home and you've got to get on your knees for three hours. You have to start... Fasting. I've been reading a lot about fasting lately. You know, today I was reading the book of Esther and I was just talking about how the Jews were in danger. They, you know, it was a decree written that they were going to be wiped out. And, and you know what Esther did? She said, well, I'm going to have to go into the king's presence and, you know, if he doesn't hold out that holy scepter to me, I'm history. But this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to fast. Don't eat or drink anything for three days. And let's see what happens. Why? So I can save the Jews. And I read that and I was like, Lord, that's convicting. Because it's, I mean, not eat anything? Like, I can skip a meal. Okay, maybe two. But a whole day? A whole day? And then another day? And then another day? And then, not only that, but not drink anything? Are you kidding me? Not eat or drink anything for a whole day, and then another day, and then another day? And so if you're like me, and we're like, ah, I don't know if I could ever do that. And again, I'm not saying that God's calling you to do that, but I'm just saying, why would we even, why would we even hesitate to think that desperate times, they, they call for, for desperate measures. I'm desperate. I don't know about you, but we're living in a world that's perishing. And although tonight we just barely began to scratch the surface, I 
prayer is that we would be open to the person of the Holy Spirit. He is amazing. And He wants to move in our life. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.